We're re-looking at what does it look like to be fully committed to God. And, and there's a, a quote this three weeks. We're using this book, The Disciplines of the Spirit, kind of as a guide. Howard Thurman wrote this beautiful book a, a while ago, but it's, it's still very relevant. And he, he has this quote that I want to read for you. Uh, if you're in Zoom, I believe you have it available in the chat. But he says this commitment means that it is possible for a man or a woman to yield the nerve center of his consent to a purpose or cause, a movement or an ideal, which may be more important to him than whether he lives or dies. Let me read that again, because he's he's a bit wordy. Commitment means that it is possible for a man to yield the nerve center of his consent to a purpose or cause, a movement or an ideal, which may be more important to him than whether he lives or dies. So what Thurman is saying more eloquently than I'm about to is that it is possible to be so committed to something that you don't care whether you live or die. What matters is what you are committed to. And of course, Thurman is urging us to be committed to Christ in in such a way. But as I have thought about this over time, I've thought that that if we are submitting our, our entire self to be committed to God, that that makes us a bit of robots where we all are going to just act and do the exact same thing. And we know human nature is not to do that, right? We know even without sin, we just act different. Just watch kids for a little bit. Kids just do their thing and act different. And yet in my thinking, I thought, okay, if I'm committed, then my nerve center is to consent to whatever God says, which means I need to kill desire. I need to ignore what I want, what I desire, what I need, and just trust God for all that. God knows my needs, God's good, and I just move forward. But I, I, as I've grown to know God and God's character and God's word more and more, I realize that's not at all the case. We're not to act robotic, we're to act more human. And we're not actually to kill desire, we're to submit desire, but name it. We're to know what it is that we want and what it is that we need. And we're to go to God and and say this. You see, in in Luke 11, we have Jesus teaching on prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We looked at it this fall. And then Jesus goes in and starts to talk about perseverance in prayer. And in verse 5, Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to this friend at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my kids are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Okay, I've, I've read this 30 times. And never really thought about it. And then this week I went on my long walk where I was kind of uh, yell talking at God and naming the things that I need to leave behind and I need to let go of and I need to trust God with. 
And I started imagining this verse because that's what we're really told to do. Now think of this. Like, the, the guy is in bed and his kids are tucked into bed with you. You know that moment when those kids are asleep? That is the most sacred time of the day, right? And the neighbor has the nerve to hit that ring doorbell and you hear it on your phone and you're like, hey, hey, they're, they're sleeping. Shh, they're sleeping. They're finally asleep. And, and I mean, just try, try to picture this for, for a minute, right? So like the neighbor's here and he hits, hits the button or knocks on the window or whatever and like, hey, and, and the, the other neighbor's over here and all the kids are asleep and they're like, ah, be quiet, they're asleep, right? The guy's like, I, I, don't, I don't care. I need three loaves of bread. This is ridiculous. I need three loaves of bread. Somebody's coming to my house. And then this guy's like, I don't care that someone's coming to your house. My kids are finally asleep. It's been three weeks since they've been asleep. They're all asleep at the same time. And they all happen to be in bed with me, which I always said I would never do. But hey, we all do things we said we would never do once we start parenting. And then the neighbor's like, I don't care. I need three loaves of bread, really bad. My friend is coming and is going to carb load at my house. And the only thing I need is bread. It's like Louisville when we think a storm is coming and milk and bread and eggs are gone, but we're all, you know, lactose and gluten-free, and, except when storms are coming. And this guy's here again. And all the kids are laid out, right? He's like, you've got to stop talking to me. But he won't stop talking, so he's got to do one of these. You, you've done this before? He's got to, like, get over all the kids, right? He's got to pull his arm out, and three little heads are on that arm. I do this to Anna. She'll fall asleep on me. And then I just pray, Lord, let me have my arm back. Because it's been asleep for three weeks, and uh, she wakes up like a grizzly bear. And I don't want to deal with a grizzly bear right now. And the guy gets up not... Not because he's a good friend. Let's be honest. The guy gets up because the odds of the children staying asleep are better if he gets out of bed and silences the neighbor and gives the three loaves of bread than if he keeps arguing because that neighbor really wants the bread and doesn't care what happens, right? That makes some sense? Here's the thing that's crazy. God says that we get to be this person. In prayer, we're supposed to be this person. Hey, God, I need bread. Hey, God, three loaves of bread, please. Hey, God, three. Just three loaves of bread. Hey, neighbor's coming. Three loaves of bread. I know your kids are sleeping. Three loaves of bread. And God says, not because this guy's a friend, but just because of the persistence, he's going to get up and give the loaves. Because we're persistent in prayer, naming what it is that we need or in this case, probably want, because I don't know if anyone actually needs three loaves of bread for one neighbor or one friend coming into town. God says, you are that neighbor and God is tucked in bed and he's inviting us to consistently knock and say, I need bread, I need bread, I need bread, I need bread. And God, not even because he's our friend, no, he is our friend. Not even because he's good. He is good. 
But just because you're persistent is going to respond. Now, tons of things fall off. Do we get exactly what we want? No, of course not. We know that. But this speaks to the persistence that I lack. Because really, I was taught to pray, um, God, I, I think I'd like some bread, but maybe I don't need bread. You're right. I don't need bread. I don't need it at all. Um, I'll just not eat. That's kind of what I was taught to pray. I, I, I need some bread, but perhaps I don't. You know better than me. Ah, I trust you. And what Scripture's saying here is, no, if, if you need bread, then ask for bread. And as soon as you stop asking for bread, ask for bread. And then as soon as you stop, ask for bread. And keep doing that. And maybe as we're committed to God, we will realize it's not bread that we need, but an apple. But then we go ask for that apple. And we ask for the apple. And we ask for the apple. And we name what it is that we need. You see, there's a clarity of desire of what we need that we have to have. But here's where it gets tricky. It is not what others want. You know, this person over here wants bread, but I know that I need an apple. So I don't go ask for what they want. I ask on their behalf, but not for me. You see, it's not that we go and want what others want for us. No, we have to search within us and see what is it that I actually want? What is it that I actually desire? What is that deep within me that I was wired for? And our relationships matter, but they do. We don't tell each other, hey, this is what you need to want. Hey, this is what you need to want. Instead, we search God and and look here. So the question of the day is, what, what do I want? Once we see who we are, like we talked about last week, the next question is, what, what, do I, what do I want? And we have to explore this a little bit. So I knew that this was coming for about a month, and I started taking inventory of myself, and I realized that I am frustratingly opinionless. I annoy even myself this week. When it comes to real simple things, like, hey, where do you want to go? My answer is like, I don't know. I don't really care. I'll go anywhere. And I've always thought that that was like being kind, but it's actually kind of being annoying. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm stifling relationships. I'm not helping them along. You just stifle it. I don't have an opinion. And we all know you get in a group of friends like we used to back before COVID. You get in a group of friends and there's that one friend who always knows where they want to go. And it's like, hey, what do we want to do tonight? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then that one friend's like probably saying White Castle. And then you, you all go to White Castle anyway because that one friend has an opinion, right? That's just one person who knows. That's one person who's clear. We're talking about silly things right now, but this is, has deeper implications than just what we want to eat. But even there, I'm not always clear. In the last couple of weeks, I went to a restaurant with the full intention of ordering a to-go fish because I just wanted fish. But somehow I forgot between my car and that window and I ordered a cheeseburger. I don't even like cheeseburgers. But I ordered one because I just can't even remember what I want. At that moment, I knew what I wanted. 
But I couldn't even remember. But when it's not food, how do we handle these bigger things? Can we articulate what we desire? What we need, what we want. Can we articulate that to God? Can we say it, name it, but can we also remember it? And then can we also proclaim it aloud to God? I need bread. I need bread. My friend's coming to be a good host. I need, I need bread. As I, I looked at this, there were three main reasons that I thought of that we, we probably don't know what we want. And the first is that we're attached to what others want for us. We've never really asked ourselves. Relationships have always told us what we've wanted. Howard Thurman says, the need for a sense of belonging is so acute that we want what others want. We so desperately want to be connected to people that we don't ask ourselves, what am I wired for and what do I actually desire? Instead, we say, ah, they want to go left, so I'm going to go left. To stay attached to that person, I'm just going to follow. And we get to a moment later in life where we're like, how did I get here? And we realize, well, I made that decision because Johnny said so, and I made that decision because Sally said so, and I made that decision to keep a relationship with my family and that decision to keep a relationship with my coworkers. And I find myself in a spot I never wanted to be. And those relationships aren't as strong as I once thought they were. Another reason why we, we don't know what it is that we want is because we're unsure of what we're going to do with that desire once we have it. As, as soon as we want something, we're unsure. Like if, if I name it, if I come to the door and I knock and I say, I want bread, what am I going to do until that moment that God comes to the door and gives me bread? If it takes him three minutes to climb over the kids and come to the door, what do I do for three minutes? Because I've just awoke this monster of, of desire, of named need within myself. What am I going to do as I wait? And next week, this is what we're going to look at. But we're going to follow the text of Luke 11 and look at this third reason that we don't know right now. And that's because we wonder, can, can I afford to desire Can I trust God with this? I know that God's big. I know that God's good. But can I really trust God? Luke 11 continues. And in verse 9 we say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish, or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So often we caveat this whole thing and we change everything up. And well, what God means is that what if Jesus means ask and it will be given search and you will find knock and the door will be open for you. I'm not talking about the surface level desires, but the things deep in our heart that we were wired for. What if his answer to that is an invitation for you to name what it is that you desire and then ask specifically and courageously? Lord, I need bread. And if you don't hear or see God's response, then ask again, Lord, I, I, need, I need bread. And trust that he's not going to give you a stone, but that he's a good father who gives good gifts. For some of us, I realize that this is like reopening a wound. Right? It's like, I don't want to go there. I, I desired before and it didn't turn out well. I longed for something and it didn't work. I'm not a medical person. Some of you all are. But I'm pretty sure if the wound is infected, it needs to be reopened. Right? Yes. If there's infection in there, if there's, if there's death and decay inside, it needs to be reopened. So that can come out and life can return. And so if it feels like reopening a wound, maybe it is. But maybe that's exactly what we need. We've lost tons, guys. Since where we were a year ago, a little over a year ago when we were together at 1212, everything looked different, right? Many of us are the same faces, but there are a lot of faces we're missing today, even with the Zoom people and all the it's different. The physical location is different. Our lives are different. We've lost family members and friends, jobs, hopes, lots of stuff. But we don't need to lose our desire. This deep desire to live as people who God has invited us to be. We know that God hears when we're persevering and when we're asking. We know that God is good, and we know that Christ has done everything on our behalf. And so this week, I want to invite you in your times with the Lord to just allow God to search your heart. You search your heart. What is it that you want? Can you name it? And even if you name it and, and you realize there's a deeper desire beneath that, then change the name and name that one. And can we start to work up the courage to ask and ask again and see what our good father does in response? I know that that will kick up some insecurity and some wonder about what happens in the time being. And we'll talk about that next week. But we'll get there when we get there. For this week, I think it's enough to ask the question, what do I want? And so in light of that, we're going to receive communion. Again, I want to encourage you, if there's something that you have lost along the way and you need to name it, let, let's go over here and, and name what that is. If you don't want people to recognize your handwriting, write with your offhand. It's okay. 
And then I wonder, it, is that one blank right there? Okay. If you know what your bread is, what you're asking God for, and you have the courage to write it, let's write that on this one here. And we'll bring these same two things back next week and the next week, and we'll just, this is our, our transitory moving prayer wall. But let's, let's ask together here, and let's um, write what we've lost along the way over there. Does that make some sense? Okay, we're going to receive communion. I, I want to I pray for us, and then I want to give you a moment to sit with that question. What do I want? And then we're going to recognize that his body and his blood were broken and shed for us. And we'll receive communion in light of that question. Okay? All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thanks for being present. Thanks for the sound of little voices and feet and life. Thanks that you know us more than we know ourselves. Thanks that you're good. And as we prepare to receive communion right now, and we ask you this question, or we ask ourselves in your presence, what is it that I want? Give us great courage and give us great clarity. We'll pause together right now for a moment. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and help each other out if you need it, but there's a little, little wafer in here. And he broke it before everyone. He said, this is my body broken for you. And when you gather together like this, even if things are different, every, when you gather, remember that my, my body was broken for you. And so we can take and eat. And then he lifted the cup and he said, this represents my blood poured out for you. And every time when you gather together, remember that I was sacrificed on, on, on your behalf and, and all that holds you down is defeated. It's finished. And so do this in remembrance of me.